You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Tarno, and welcome to the Better Man Podcast. And I am here again with one of the founding partners of Better Man, Robert Lewis. Robert, how are you today? Adam, doing well and looking forward to being with you in this session. Absolutely. I got a hypothetical for you right now, Robert, and this is going to set up our time, okay? Let's imagine you robbed a bank, okay, and you were ready to confess that you robbed the bank to someone. Who would you tell that you just robbed the bank? Wow, what a question. Um, Well, if I was wanting to confess because I was sorry for it, I would want to do two things. I'd want to find a person who I felt was safe to tell that to. Okay. Because when you're going to be transparent and really open up your heart to somebody, you want to be safe. Yep. The second thing is whoever I shared that with uh, would also be someone who I felt like had the ability to help me deal with what I was now uh, feeling disturbed by. Yeah, absolutely. The bank that I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with that. I didn't like what I'd done. I'm going to need wisdom uh, from somebody who can help me construct some steps that would kind of get me back to where I want to be. That's right. Yeah. And so what we're really, you know, the reason I start with that silly question is this, is what we're really saying is, do you have a confidant in your life? Right. Because when you uh, face a really difficult situation in life, who are you going to lean on to help you walk through that difficult situation? And I have met a couple of people in my life that I have gotten to know so well that I've run this little silly scenario in my mind going, if I ever broke the law in like a crazy way, that's the person I'm going to to tell. They're going to be my first confession because first and foremost, they're going to help me emotionally and spiritually. And then they're going to hold my hand and go, now we got police. All right. But it's okay where I'm going to be here to guide you. And, uh, and it's great to have those people in our life that we can really be open with and be transparent with. Yeah, and I would say one of the things men most need is a safe person. Yeah. Because a lot of men, the reason they stay closed off is they don't feel safe. They, they feel like if I told you what I've done or who I really am, you're not going to like me. Yeah. And so they, they, they keep the lid shut over their heart. Yeah. And it not not to their uh, it's to their detriment when they do it that. Is. So exactly right. So that's not a word that you know this this idea of a confidant not a word we use very often in our culture. So um, how would you describe what a confidant is or who a confidant is? Because it's a it's an implication. The reason we're talking about this is because we get back into some of the Barna study and some of the research. There mm-hmm. was some interesting findings about men who feel like they have a confidant in their life. So before we jump into those findings, how would you describe a confidant? Well, every man has a has a public self and a private self. Mm. To me, a confidant is someone who you're willing to share your private self with. That's good. And uh, most men, like I said, oftentimes don't feel safe enough with the people around them, even friends, uh, to share those uh, deeper kind of thoughts and secrets and habits and things like that. So. They just keep them to themselves to their own detriment. But a confidant is somebody who, uh, you know, you feel safe with and feel like they're interested in your best. Mm. They're not going to take advantage of you for sharing that. And they can hold those secrets, process them with you, and uh, help maybe help you find 
resolutions that will work for you in your life. That's really, I really like the way you describe that. And, uh, and I like that phrase there at the end that they, you know, that they have your best in mind. And so that's why you can show them not just your public, your public self, your PR department, you can show them who you really are, uh, warts and all, and you know that they're not going to reject you. So again, the reason we're bringing this up is because that Barna study that was done in conjunction with Better Man found this interesting link And one of the links that they found was that two things in life contributed to increased levels of well-being. And well-being, we kind of described a little bit in our last episode. So if somebody hasn't listened to that, you can go back and and listen to that uh, episode. But two other uh, contributing factors to higher levels of well-being were, number one was a confidant, and number two was intergenerational friendships. And so really, they were finding the link between healthy relationships and well-being. So let's talk about this first one, Robert. So the men who reported having a confidant reported being very satisfied with their marriages, uh, their friendships, their children, and other relationships at a much higher rate than those who don't have a confidant. So they asked men, do you feel like you have a confidant in their lives? Those that said yes had a higher percentage of being very satisfied with marriage at 68% versus 38%. So those with a confidant were happier in marriage than those who didn't have a confidant? That's huge. That yeah. kind of statistical difference. I mean, 68 to 60 would be a big gap. But when you said in marriage, 68 to 38 uh, percent, that's that's like uh, two sides of the ocean. You know, it's so vast yeah. to say that uh, your rate of satisfaction is that much higher than those that don't have a confidant. Yes. And so it was just, uh, again, the evidence was surprising and overwhelming at uh, those that reported having a confidant, how much more satisfied they were in these key areas of their life. So Robert, what do you make of this finding? Well, I, I think it, it seems like good common sense to have somebody in your life that you can process life with. I think the one thing the Barna study pointed out when they said confidant they said someone other than your spouse. Oh, that's a good distinction. And I think that's very important for our listeners because I think a lot of times uh, somebody may be listening to us and think, well, you know, I share my life with my wife and uh, uh, I talk to her about things. We talk through things. But what made a confidant a confidant was they were someone other than your spouse. Okay. Because the truth is, I mean, if we're all honest as men, there are things that uh, we don't want to share with our wife yeah. that are really deep and that we can share with another man because we feel like they would understand if we know there's another safe other man that we could share them with. That's right. So a confidant is someone other than your spouse. And I just think that all of that just simply points out that um, we were made by God for relationships. Uh, we weren't made to live alone. I mean, even starting in the garden where it says it's not good for a man to be alone. Um, God had in mind in that moment, uh, a spouse. But as you go past that into the rest of the scripture, uh, the scriptures, uh, mention again and again, how important it is to have a band of brothers around you. That's right. You know, it says in Proverbs, there is one who sticks closer than a brother. There's, there's another guy out there are guys who can be as intimate with you as uh, in many ways as you are with your spouse and take on issues you wouldn't even share with your spouse. Yeah. And by the way, for our listeners, they need to know that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. 
Absolutely. Why do you think it is, Robert, that so many non-school-aged men, so let's just say uh, you're post-college age, so you're, I don't know, 21 and above, why, yeah. do, why do so many adult men struggle at making and maintaining friendships? Well, I think it uh, comes down to just one word, and that is busy. Mm. I think I think we are just uh, totally overwhelmed with the pace of life. And that's why in school, when you go back even to college and things like that, you know, though you're studying and all that, if you think about even a college or high school schedule, it's filled with these white spaces where you can hang out with your friends and you can uh, talk through things and you can make fun of one another and give each other nicknames and go out and do crazy stuff together. And it builds, it really builds some healthy community. Yeah. In many ways, but suddenly you graduate and uh, maybe you're about to get married and you get a job. And the next thing you see on the horizon for the next 25, 30 years is one word responsibility. Yeah. If you take on that word responsibility and bite into it too deeply, your life just becomes a treadmill of going from one thing that you have to do to the next without any margin or white space to really foster healthy relationships. And if you get in any time, you want to do that, first of all, with your wife and kids. But then you go, well, what's left over to do it with significant friendships in my life? And oftentimes for today's young man, it's, it's, there's no room for that. There really isn't. I, you know, I don't, uh, when you said one word, I was thinking of a different one. I thought you were going to say like pride, um, or yeah, I thought that's where I thought you were going to go. I didn't think you were going to say busyness. And now I hear you say that and I'm, I'm nodding my head in agreement going, yeah, I think that is exactly it. I remember, uh, in my time on church staff, I got to spend some time in college ministry. And one of the guys that was leading in the college ministry before I jumped in and started leading there basically said, Hey, the whole philosophy with trying to disciple young men in college is this, is you've got, you earn their ear by, uh, by wasting time with them. Like that that's how you do it. And so yeah. basically our ministry philosophy is to try to waste time with college students. And especially I think for men that that's usually the way it works. Some of that shoulder to shoulder, uh, recreational time, that's, that's where right. you bond. And that happens a lot in elementary school, middle school, high school, even college to a certain extent. And then it seems like you graduate and you're plopped in a cube farm at some office and you just, you lose that. And now you're busy. That's exactly right. I, I think I think American culture's pace is really unhealthy. I yeah. mean, uh, it, it it takes a it takes a lot of effort to try to counter some of that. Yeah. The truth is, I think our culture is fairly toxic. I always I always uh, laugh when a group from our church goes on a mission trip and they go to the third some third world country where they don't have. Uh, near the things we have and their pace of life is just more subsistence. And they always come back and make this statement to me. I was down there and they, you know, they were just living, you know, just hand to mouth and that kind of thing. But they were so happy. Yep. I always hear that word. They were so, so happy. happy. They had so much fun and they were happy. And I go, you know why they were happy? Because they had time to be happy. That's right. <laughs> yes. And that's what you don't have. That's right. You don't have time to be happy unless you decide that you are going to be a counterculturalist and start thinking intentionally of ways 
to open up some margin in your life to build relationships at a deeper level. And, and that goes beyond what I call church busyness too, which yep. is going just to church activities. Yep. I'm talking about sitting with people, doing things with people where you're enjoying life together and building the same kind of camaraderie, maybe maybe that you had in college, same kind of even just hanging out time. I like your term, wasting time together. Yeah. Really healthy time. Yeah. And that was going to be the next question I was going to ask you, and you're kind of already answering it. So somebody who says they want a confidant and they don't know where to start, I think what your answer would be is start by looking at your schedule. Where would you fit one in? And what are you going to give up so that you can start to allow some margin where this can happen? I, I would see this happen a lot um, in young adults' lives where I would talk in my ministry with young adults. And you just have to remind, uh, remind people that uh, quantity is the path to quality, right, mm. in, in relationships. So you have to have quantity of time in order to get quality time. And a lot of, and I think in church and maybe even somebody listening to this podcast will go, that's what I want. I want a confidant. And they, what they're really saying is I want a quality friendship, right? And the path to get there is not just to go find, you know, qualityfriendship.com or there's some, you know, kind of app where you can find a good confidant with one another and make it quick. The path to get there is quantity. You start meeting with people or a person and you try to spend a lot of time with them and you let that relationship flourish and develop. That's right. And you know what? If if you feel alone and you're saying, I'd like to develop some quality friendships, maybe the first statement is, where do where do quality people hang out? Oh, that's good. And 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 of course, there again, the church is a great starting place. And of course, most churches today have numerous expressions of meetings and stuff where they're quality people, whether it be in a singles group or whether it be in a small group of men getting together or whatever that you can choose to at least go invest time to sit in. And while you're sitting there, you'll notice some people that you want to start a relationship with, and that may lead to a quality confidant. But if you don't take the time to invest in those environments where there, where there's healthy people, you'll never have a healthy relationship that brings the kind of reward back to you that you really want for your life. Hey there, podcast listeners, Adam Tarno here. We certainly hope that you have been enjoying season two of the Better Man podcast. Our hope with this podcast is to share engaging content that's going to foster this growing community of men who desire a better and more fulfilling life from their work, their family, friends, marriages, and from their relationship with God. Robert and I are now starting to plan out season three and we want to hear from you. What questions do you have about the state of masculinity in America today? What do you see men facing that you could use some help uh, processing? How can we equip and encourage you as you either seek to be a better man or you're leading others to become better men? You can submit your questions or episode suggestions at betterman.com slash podcast. Again, that's betterman.com slash podcast. When you get back in front of your computer, head on out there, drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. And we are praying that season two continues to encourage you and that season three will be even better. So help us out. We'd love to hear from you. Robert, in your time leading the church, did you guys as a church leadership team try to provide opportunities for people to develop these friendships? And and 
Yeah. So I'll stop there and then I have a follow-up question to that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, one of the things we did, this was a while ago for small groups were not that uh, popular or no, even known. We built our whole church around small groups of people yeah. who had common ministry emphases and interests and that kind of thing. And we would put them together and match them up with one another and allow them to grow together. And uh, the same way we started men's ministries because we knew uh, men needed that safe place that we've talked about last week. And even today, men need a place where they can go and kind of just be real. And we emphasize real by how we led the groups. Yeah, I think you've got to do that or else you're not going to get the kind of fostering of relationships that really are healthy between people. And then we challenged older people to recognize that they have a lot to give the younger and we would, we would kind of exhort them to invest down in younger people's lives. Yeah. And someone would take us up on that and find rich reward in doing that because younger people want to be with older people. Uh, we don't know that, but the bar, you know, just looking around today, but the Barna study bore that out that uh, younger people really are looking for older people to invest in. Which is a great segue into the second uh, finding that we wanted to talk about today. And so the study did find a connection between well-being and intergenerational friendships. So the more intergenerational friendships that a person had, the higher reports of well-being uh, or, or the, the higher levels of satisfaction that they record that they reported. And so there was this connection between those two. And so were you surprised by that? You know, I really wasn't just because of what I've seen in the church where uh, people who build relationships with with uh, older people and in a in a way that they share life together, the the result of that is always just incredibly powerful. Yeah. And a positive. Yeah. Uh, you know, like when when uh, we were doing our men's ministry a decade ago, I would tell young men you need an older man in your life. Some philosopher once said, if you're a young man and you're not being admired by an older man, admired by an older man, you're being hurt. Hmm. Because there's no one speaking into your life that you would trust that's giving you value. Yeah. But if an older man who you know has experience and is more proven and comes up and admires you, it's kind of like knighting you in some ways. You feel his value being poured into you to make you believe in yourself. And, and what's so sad about our generation uh, in the last 50 years is we've stratified generations. You know, we've got the millennials, the Gen X, the boomers. And in some ways, by, by, by doing that, we cut the generations off from one another rather than mixing them. And so the church needs to be heralding the statement to mix together, invest down, get together, share life. If you're a young married, one of the best steps you can take is to go and find an older married couple that you know is living their life well and go ask them, would you spend some time with us yeah. and tell us about how you're doing marriage? Yeah. I'm doing some marriage counseling right now, Adam, with a couple who are about to be married and uh, she had an out of wedlock pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So they've had a child already in the relationship. And one of the first things I challenged them with, as I said, do you know a couple who married and had children they brought into that marriage that you could trust? And they didn't know that couple. And I said, well, I know a couple like that. 
And I know a couple like that who enjoy investing in a younger couple. So I hooked them up with one another and they got tremendous insight. And plus they built a great relationship with an older couple that made them feel confident that they could handle, especially the man, handle his wife's child in this relationship where he's going to have to be daddy and didn't have a clue how he could do that. Yeah. the wisdom of this older couple. What I find so interesting in our culture right now is that we uh, we like to reach out for coaching and for help in so many areas of life, except for some of these really intimate areas around relationships, whether it be our relationship with God or relationships with one another in the sense of friendships or marriage. I mean, it is not taboo right now to have a coach in your life. I'm in fact that uh, in the midst of the pandemic, that's one of the business industries that's growing right now is professional coaching or executive coaching. That is not abnormal to say uh, professionally and at work, I want to get ahead. So I'm going to go get a more seasoned person that's going to pour into me and help me and coach me. We'll do that professionally. We'll do it with hiring personal trainers if we want to get in shape. We'll do it and hire dietitians or uh, folks that can help us with our eating. We'll, uh, so we certainly will go get help if we're dealing with something from a health perspective. We will go to a uh, more seasoned doctor or a health expert. And it's like all these areas of life, we are so used to tapping into intergenerational wisdom. But yet when it comes to relationship with God, marriage, family, friendships, we're like, no, I got it. I'm good. And, it, and it's not helping us. One of the great, probably the greatest mistake of the younger generation is not looking for executive coaching in those sensitive areas that you just mentioned. That's right. Like the scripture says, he who walks with the wise will be wise. Yep. And so if you're in a situation where you're going, you know, not really sure what to do, I don't know how to make my job work the way I want it to, or my marriage work, or my, I don't know how to invest in my son. I'm I come home and look at these little kids and I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's the first thing that should go ding. Yep. I need to go find an older man who has raised good kids and say, how do you do that? Yep. And what's great too, uh, and this is kind of silly, but uh, I think the point will be made. If you can go find a church that will help you get connected with these some older folks, it's free. Right, you don't have to pay any money for it. You yeah. can go buy all these other coaches out there, but this one for these relationships that matter, churches are sitting there going, "We'll help you," and it's free. Greatest deal in town. That's right. It is free. And you know, you know what's interesting too is that uh, uh, in my previous men's ministry, a lot of older men would like to invest in younger men, and even older couples invest in younger couples, and they have all this experience that they can offer, but they seem to be paralyzed that they go, a younger couple wouldn't want to talk to us. That's right. And, uh, and, and then the younger couple is thinking, who would I go talk to? And I just go, you know, we need to encourage mixing yep. today in church. And I always tell younger people, I promise you, if you'll go ask an older man or an older couple to spend some, just some time with you, I will bet you a hundred times out of a hundred, They'll be honored that you ask, and they'll want to do it. I'll tell you, the emails that I personally answer very fast is a younger man that reaches out and says, Adam, I'd love to pick your brain on a few things. 
I mean, I'm just like, yes, let's go. <laughs> you want to <laughs> learn? You, you want to reach out to me and ask me some questions about my perspective on life? And you're going to... Then if you show up with a notebook and actually write things down that I'm saying, I mean, that's a great day for me. And I am uh, I really enjoy those. And I think there's a lot of older men out there that would love that opportunity to pour into some younger men. Yeah. And the church just needs to do everything it can to encourage mixers like that, intergenerational mixers, and give examples of how that has worked. I mean, bring up an older couple and a younger couple on stage and interview how they met each other and what the results of that relationship uh, uh, brought about. Or bring up a young man and talk about how he was encouraged to go talk to an older man and and would you invest in me and what that led to and the connections it led to that helped him succeed in life. Like you said, we have coaches, but the church is filled with coaches that are in waiting. That's right. That's right. So Robert, if we take uh, the last episode in this episode, so that, you know, last one, we talked about just the general topic of well-being, and this one was more on relationships. I think, you know, there is a lot of overlap. And I think one of the big takeaways from the Barna study and what we've been talking about is that the secret to well-being is relationships, right? That That's the secret to well-being. And I think all of this, what I'm remembering is that we never need to outgrow our need to be very, very picky about who we allow into the inner circle in our life. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? No, I would totally agree. And that's why the the the, the search for some confidant or some friendships or better relationships need to start with where are those better relationships or those better people hanging out? The kind of people that I would like to be like. That's right. This question that we should ask. I mean, in first Corinthians 15, 33, it says, be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Mm. And the thing we need to understand is our relationships will have more impact on who we become than anything else will do. And so you want to be picky. Because if you step into an environment of healthy, growing, vibrant relationships, you're you're going to be the first person that's going to benefit by that. Yeah. Now, hopefully, you'll become a good friend that will help others in their life. But but if you're in a if you're in an environment of good people, I just promise you, it will impact your life in ways you could never imagine and help everything in your life go down better. Yeah. And that's not just a principle that's good for high school kids. You know, I think we would all just go, oh, of course, for high school kids, you got to, you got to be careful about who your friends are. We never outgrow that as followers of Jesus. You never outgrow it. And these relationships really matter. Robert, let's close with this. So uh, what would you say to the guy that's listening right now who hears what we're saying? And it's just, he thinks he's the anomaly. He thinks that he can go through this life by himself. How would you encourage that man? Well, I would, I would tell that guy, that uh, just watch your life, and when the wheels start falling off, then come back and listen to our podcast and go build a great relationship. <laughs> there you go. I like that. That's, I like that <laughs> a lot. the wheels are going to come off if you live alone, because loneliness is a death spiral. That's right. That's good stuff, Robert. Well, thank you so much today. As always, has been really helpful, and uh, it's been great to visit with you. Great being with you, Adam. Have a great day. 
Hey, everybody. Adam Tarno here. If you like what you heard on the show today, please do us a favor and rate and review the show. That'll help people find us. If you are a church or organization leader interested in bringing the Better Man 11-week event to your community, go to betterman.com for more information. Today's episode was mixed and edited by the team at Sound of a Rose, and you can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. This has been the Better Man Podcast. Have a great day.